Hey everyone, Anthony here. Thank you for listening. We have a really great episode for you today. Brittany Bono is a reproductive and family health consultant. She's also a mother of two. Because of her background in family health, we really get into some great topics around child psychology. We talk about midwives and breastfeeding and just what it's like to be a parent. I really appreciate you listening. Let me know what you think about the episode. If you would, click the follow button, leave me a rating. That would mean the world to me. It's the best way to help grow the podcast. Anyway, on to the show. Welcome back to the Successful Working Parents Podcast, the podcast where we talk to successful working parents. Still working on the title, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today, she is a senior consultant at Mercer and a mother of two. Ladies and gentlemen, Brittany Bono. Brittany, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have this conversation today. So usually we just start off just hearing a little bit more about your career. So if you would introduce your career for us, please. Absolutely. So um, I <clears throat> am a consultant at Mercer in our Mercer Well practice, and I focus um, with employers on family support strategy. Um, I work with employers on supporting their employees in reproductive health ways, in um, family building ways. Um, and certainly once somebody has grown their family, has added children to the family um, in, in helping them be better working parents. And tell us a little bit more about your family life. You're a mother of two, is that right? That's right. I have a um, an almost four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. Um, so I am right in the thick of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I had uh, my first was not quite a pandemic baby, but might as well have been. He was about six months old when the pandemic hit, and then my second was born kind of right in the right in the middle of it. So that's certainly yeah. been an interesting dynamic. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I know it, it's going to be interesting to look back on this in a few years and see like what age was like the craziest age to be born in like the twenty twenty to like twenty twenty two range. So yeah, yeah. So I know Mercer does a lot a lot of different things, and you are on like the family health and reproductive health side of things. So was that your background before you got to Mercer? Were you a more general consultant before that? How did you get into that field? Yeah, I um, I fell into a really neat position right out of undergrad where I was working for a women's health focused international nonprofit. I actually spent some time in Haiti working for them. It was an organization that trains Haitian nurses in midwifery skills. So I got really, really familiar with um, midwives, with the maternal health space, and it sparked a ton of interest for me. I did that for a couple of years, ended up focusing my master's coursework in maternal and child health, and got to a point, honestly, when I realized that international work was maybe not going to be compatible with exactly the life that I wanted to live in terms of wanting to be in the U.S. primarily. Um, you know, I was living in a city where global health wasn't, um, there just wasn't a ton of career opportunity. And I knew that I wanted to buy a house, settle down, have kids. Global work really doesn't lend itself to that, um, at least not in the way that I had kind of pictured it for myself. So I ended up making a, a bit of a career change, moving to consulting, where I found a lot of the um, security and um, sort of fostering, nurturing, um, educational support that I was looking for 
you know, but I, I I was in a more generalist kind of role previously at Mercer. I was supporting clients in um, their overall health and benefit design and strategy. So thinking medical plans, dental, vision, life and disability more broadly. And then a couple of years ago, I made the switch onto this Mercer Well team where I started focusing on reproductive health and family support. And that was really me kind of getting back to my passion area, which, you know, is maternal health care, reproductive health. And by then I had become a mom. And so that has really, you know, driven me to to want to do this work. It makes it, I think, even more meaningful because I have my personal experience to draw from. And it, I, I know how much the work I'm doing can really impact people. Okay, so this is interesting because you have your master's in maternal and child health. You start off your career working. You weren't a midwife yourself, I guess, but you were working for a company that was training midwives, right? Correct. So, yep. Yeah. So I just feel like we, in general, were so underprepared to be parents. And I, I just had a kid a month ago, and they just really give you the baby and just say, say good luck. <laughs> but you actually yeah. had some background. So did you feel a little bit more ready to be a mom than than the average person might? Oh, I wish I could say yes. I mean, I am I am that that mom who thought that I could research my way out of everything. I thought, you know, I knew so much about pregnancy and labor and childbirth, and to be totally honest, my childbirth didn't go anything like I was expecting. Everything yeah. that was I'll say inconvenient happened. Um there was nothing dangerous or scary and I'm so so fortunate for that. But just kind of a handful of things um, happened that really honestly kind of threw me off. And then I realized quite early on how ill-prepared I was for the early postpartum phase. I just feel like that is an area that isn't talked about enough. People are not as well prepared for those early days because to your point, they send you home with a baby and whether you're the birthing parent or not, you know, you're figuring everything out anew. And so I really don't think that it made me all that much more prepared. I think it made me maybe a better advocate for myself in the during my pregnancy and birth planning and and that sort of thing. But ultimately, your body's going to do what it's going to do, you know, and and I just wasn't prepared. I'm also the type to really research everything and I had read a few books. I don't even know if my wife had read any. I I had read a bunch of books about being a dad and a mom. And uh, yeah, it just there's no instruction manual really for how to be a parent and, and how to take care of a baby the right way. So you really have to just learn on the go. Yeah. And, and I think what I found too, now that I'm the mother of two, is that every baby is different. You know, with yeah. my first, I had a really tough time and I kept thinking that maybe there was something wrong, maybe that I just wasn't understanding what I was reading. And my second baby was completely different. She was what I'll just say is a textbook baby. She did everything the book said she was going to do. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much of that was really me doing anything differently the second time around. Maybe maybe some small extent, but I really think their personalities are just different and different babies are going to act differently, especially in those early months. So since you're sort of still in the throes of it, how was the transition going from one child to two? I got lucky, I think, because having had, you know, the more challenging time after my first pregnancy and then having an easier baby the second time, I yeah. think I was overprepared the second time. 
Certainly in terms of preparing for labor and birth, I was way more prepared. It was in a completely different mindset. And that birth, um, you know, was really fortunate, went exactly how I had dreamed it would go. It was dreamy and beautiful and calm, just everything that I had imagined. And that sort of started my parenthood journey of two of, you know, of the mother of two off really well. Um, but I, I know people who are kind of in the opposite situation where their first baby is pretty low key, sleeps well, no issues feeding. Um, and then the second time they can be a little bit more thrown off. So, you know, I, I feel like I got lucky in that regard because I was just really overprepared. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We have a pretty, pretty smooth ride so far in the first month. And so I'm trying not to get like lulled into complacency that it'll always be that easy, <laughs> but it's, it has been pretty easy so far, relatively speaking. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that for you. <laughs> That's you. awesome. Yeah. Thanks. No, it's been, honestly, the, one of the crazier things was we actually moved the day after we brought her home. So we were, cause she came a few weeks early. Wow. So we, we were trying to line it all up. And so, you know, life just kind of throws crazy, crazy wrenches into your plans. You're obviously deeply steeped in this world of family health and reproductive health. And you do consulting in that world. Do you have a hard time separating your own views from maybe what you're consulting on? Or do you do you bring your own feelings into that? Or do you try to remain kind of unbiased? Like how do you how do you juggle those two things? I could feel like I could see there being a tough blend. I love that question. I um I think there are times when it's okay for me to share a bit of my personal experience because I think it's it brings a bit more merit to what I'm saying. And there are a lot of times when I just need to set that aside and serve the client. Serving the client is really my primary goal. There are certainly clients out there who hear what I have to say and then do something completely different because for whatever reason or set of reasons, you know, they simply make a, a different decision and that's okay. But yeah, I try to strike a balance. You know, our clients aren't necessarily coming to to us for our personal experiences. And so wherever I can draw on data or what I'm hearing in the market, you know, I, I feel like that's what employers really want to know is, is kind of like, what are my competitors doing? What are you hearing from their employees, their members, that sort of thing. Um, but occasionally there, there, there's a place for a little bit of personal experience to come in there. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I've, I've been in the employee health space for a long time as well. And I feel like they always want to know what other companies are doing really more so than what my what my personal thoughts are on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say, you know, having my personal experience um, and and the areas that I'm particularly passionate about in, you know, the the reproductive health, family health space, which is midwifery and doula support and, you know, really those those early postpartum days, making sure that people are are well prepared for that. Um, I think that's been a really interesting kind of niche for me to fill um, because it's a topic that employers weren't talking about a couple of years ago. And it's it's a it's a big topic now. Some of our really um, forward thinking and, and innovative and, um, you know, certainly generous from a benefits perspective, employers are looking at offering doula reimbursement benefits or covering different types of birthing locations and providers now. So um, so that's an area where I'll say having that personal experience, um, both with that nonprofit and then one of my um, one of my births was um, a uh, birth center delivery with a midwife allows me to kind of better consult in that space just because I have the experience. Sure. That makes sense. So let's talk a little more broadly about your 
kind of day to day. So you are a mother of two, you're working full time. How have you been able to to juggle the two as you've transitioned back into being a working mom? What's that been like for you? Oh, I feel like I'm I'm constantly reevaluating what my needs are, if they're being met, what I can cut out of my day that is not serving me. I'll say my personality type at work and at home is to be kind of a project manager. And while that can be really positive because it means that I I like to stay on top of things and I'm highly organized, it also means that sometimes I take on too much and don't ask for enough help. Um, And I, you know, this is totally separate from my partner who is wonderful and incredibly supportive. But I think having the ability to sit back sometimes and reassess is really helpful because my needs and how I've managed, you know, parenthood and my working, you know, my career, my working life has certainly looked different over the course of of my parenthood journey thus far. I think when you're in those early days, just returning from parental leave, you're probably not sleeping much. You know, um, I um, breastfed both of my children, which meant that I then had to pump during the day. Like that just creates a whole new set of things to learn understand, navigate, et cetera. Now that my kids are a little bit older, you know, I'm, I'm managing daycare, <laughs> worrying about, okay, you know, are they eating enough? Did I send enough snacks? Are they going to run out of clothes today if, if they get messy or something like that? You know, the, the needs are a little bit different. Um, and I'm certainly in a phase of parenthood where, where I'm trying to kind of come back to myself. So all of that said, I think my biggest focus is regularly reassessing priorities. There have been times where I have told my husband, I'm no longer pairing socks, you know, because that was just something (laughs) that I could release that was, it was something that he could easily do. Honestly, my toddler could probably do it. Or maybe it wasn't even necessary. As long as the socks were sorted by person, I, I ended up not using cloth diapers with my second as an example too. You know, just little things in your life that can save you time and effort. You know, if you can identify places where either, you know, there are aspects of your job or um, your schedule or your um, home obligations that you can kind of release things, that certainly helps. And then I think the other thing is, is I work for an organization that's really supportive of working parents my team's culture is very much, you know, do what you need to do, get your work done. We're not going to have any problems. Um, and so my colleagues know that at 445 every day, I leave to go pick up my kids from daycare. Everybody schedules around that. It's on my calendar. You know, I take a lunch break every day just to make sure that I have that little bit of separation. And that's when I do things around the house. Like if I need to fold a little bit of laundry, if I have a few extra minutes or or whatever, that's how I prioritize, you know, making sure that I actually eat lunch, which especially in those early days, if if you are, you know, a lactating parent is is critical. So I think some of it is is really kind of setting those boundaries, you know, and and releasing things that you don't need to be doing. Yeah, I, I got to say, I'm not the one breastfeeding, obviously, but I feel like it's by far been the, the most stressful part of being a parent and having a having a newborn. It's especially in the in the first few days. I, I'm a, I believe in the, the the value in it, but it's just it's just been the hardest thing that w- we've had to experience so far. Yeah, and that's another thing I think people aren't 
adequately adequately prepared for is how tough that can be. Yeah. Even if, and and I'll say my my you know first breastfeeding journey was not without challenges. It took a couple of months to figure out, um, you know, how to make that a pain free process. But even for people who don't have you know issues latching or baby weight gain issues or anything like that. It's still just a ton of work and there's a lot of figuring out to do. I remember when I when I was newly postpartum dragging my mom around the city of Richmond to different public places so that I could learn to nurse my baby in public with the comfort of my mom there to hold the blanket up or or whatever, you know, until I really felt comfortable. But yeah, definitely I mean yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Tips. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, you know, it's tough, you know. And uh shout out to my wife. She's the one doing all the work and I'm just sort of changing diapers and holding bottles. So it's uh <laughs> I, I know I, I know I'm complaining about it, but I know it's much harder for her than for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's yeah, that's why it's all about the partnership. Yes, yeah. So releasing things and, and kind of letting go in priorities, this personally is a great thing for me to hear because I I'm a little bit of like a type A person and you strike me as someone that's kind of like on top of things as well. And and I, was that hard for you to do? Like, are you used to like delegating and like letting go of stuff like that? Not at all. It was, it was a very hard thing to do. I am not the kind of person who grew up, um, or even liked to delegate, ask for help. I was very much, Oh, I can handle it. It's fine. You know, and, um, some of that I think is personality type. And sometimes I think women maybe struggle with it a little bit more. Um, and it it really hit hard in those early postpartum days, especially after my son was born, my first, you know, I just simply needed more help. And I didn't know how to ask. I didn't even recognize that I needed to ask. And so I feel like learning that skill, um, it definitely took some, it definitely took some time. But now that I understand how to do it, the, the guilt isn't there. You know, I mean, my husband is happy to help my my extended family is happy to help. They just need to know how. Yeah. Love that. I, I think the not pairing the socks is a great example because it's something that you probably <laughs> always liked to do and it was important for you. And then you're like, this is so not important compared to everything else. Yep. And if I'm going to fold 80% of the lo- load of laundry, he can do that 20%. He's happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, so I actually do a lot of the, the housework, the domestic duties around the house. And I've, and I've also been like, okay, I, I you have to do these, some of these things like and, and just let go of that. I always feel like the need to, to do it in a certain way. It's, mm-hmm. it's important. It's important to just let go of things like that because you can't do everything. There's just too much new time, like too much new priorities have taken up your time. Yep. And that's sort of an extension of the, you know, drop things that you can't, you know, that you can't really take care of. I think some of it is lowering standards in a few different ways. Um, you know, not to imply that we live in filth, but I certainly, you know, I don't, I don't wash the floors like I used to, you know, there, there are things that you just kind of have to get used to with kids. There's going to be toy clutter from time to time. Um, you know, it, there's, there's going to be laundry that sits and doesn't get folded for a week or two. I mean, sometimes it's just by necessity that you, you know, your, your standards change a little bit. How about tips for self-care ways to find some find some Brittany time or anything that worked for you on that front? I, I've struggled with this a lot. I, I think it was particularly hard during the pandemic because um, all of the things that I had been involved in that I'd gone back to, you know, in the early postpartum days after my first, that kind of kept me going. All of those came to a screeching halt. You know, my biggest tip for people is to have some sort of appointment, whether it is every Tuesday you walk with a friend 
or every Friday morning you go to a yoga class, even if it's just once a week or once every couple of weeks, have that appointment that your family knows to schedule around because that is your you time. Do something that you love. Give yourself the permission to, as long as you can afford it, buy the yoga membership or download that app that you really like or schedule that weekend away or whatever. I think so many of us become parents and feel like we can't treat ourselves anymore. And I feel like I'm just finally getting back into that phase where I feel like, okay, I deserve a massage. It's okay. It's not a big deal. <laughs> sure. You know, my kids have shoes, my kids have clothes, they they're, you know, they're fed, they're they've got a roof over their heads. Um, I can go treat myself just a little bit. Um Yeah. Yeah, to all the moms listening, go get yourself a massage. <laughs> So yeah, I think having that external appointment is critical. I recognize for some people in certain phases of life, that's just not possible. Maybe you have a partner or a spouse who works really long hours or does shift work or something like that. And you know, you're the one who's at home. Or you don't have a partner or a spouse. Exactly. Or you're a single parent. Exactly. Um, I think when when your choices are limited like that, um, you know, wherever you can lean on your network, your village, so to speak, so that you can get that little bit of time for you can really, really help. You know, when we, um, we just recently moved to Pennsylvania to be closer to family, but when we were back in Virginia just a couple of months ago, you know, we had neighbors, we knew we could ask if we needed help. We had one kind of extended, extended family member who would have been happy to help. Um, so wherever you can find people and make them your family, um, you know, they can, they can be your, your support so that you can get that little bit of time away. Now that you have a four-year-old, you start to think about how your kids see the way that you approach your career and the way that you you treat work life and family life? I've definitely been thinking about it lately. Um, my son has no concept of what I do outside of, you know, tapping on a keyboard all day. Um, and he knows that when mommy's on the phone, usually he's not too welcome in the room. Although I, I feel like I'm fortunate more than more than folks in other career paths or even um, you know other areas of consulting that my my clients and colleagues and business partners are particularly understanding of a toddler running into the room. Yeah, I I do think about it, and I think it is so so important to show your kids that family comes first, and while work is an important priority. It's not everything. You know, I know there's some survey data out there that talks about, you know, family building benefits, family support benefits, and how, um, and parental leave benefits, and how employees would leave to find a, an employer. You know, they would leave their current employer for another one um, who's more supportive of their, you know, work family balance or family building needs or, or whatever. And I feel like, I love that that's a trend. I love, you know, I think that kind of putting that pressure on is really, really important. You know, I I think that it's it's critical for somebody in the household to have a job that is supportive of their, you know, of their family needs. Um, and so I, it's really important to me to be able to choose when I go over my boundaries, right? Like I said, everybody knows that at 4.45 every day, I'm offline because I am on my way to get my kids. But on occasion, I've got a client on the West Coast and they need a phone call at 5 p.m. my time. And I have never to this point had anybody give me any problems for not attending that call, right? But there are also times when I'll say, yeah, I'll take the call because I really want to be on it because I think it's important. So as long as I feel like I am comfortable with 
the areas where I kind of go outside my usual boundaries, that's setting the right example for my kids. One thing that's been on my mind, and this is on my mind before I even had kids, it was frankly part of my hesitation when I was younger, is the impact that you have on them, right? Like not just what we just talked about, but even just more generally, I just feel like those first like four, five, six years, it's so impressionable and you have such a sway over really how they turn out. Do you do you think about that a lot? Is that something that you learn about in your studies and, and how do you approach that? Oh, I think about it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, you know, this feels really timely because I, um, I've had conversations with friends just in the last few days. You know, we've had a few challenging days with my kids and I'm trying to figure out, you know, is there something I can sort out at daycare? Is there something more that they need from me? Um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely always on my mind. I think, um, everybody just wants their kids to be happy and healthy and as, you know, functional as possible, um, when they get to, to, to adulthood, you know, I think as parents, we're also learning how to manage our own emotions sometimes for the first time. Um, we're, we're learning how to, navigate some of these really tricky situations with our children. And it's a lot of pressure. I wish I had, you know, some secrets to share. I feel like self-care is is one of the biggest ones that we already kind of touched on to help keep yourself parenting your best. But you also just kind of have to be gentle on yourself and recognize, you know, we're humans. There are going to be tough days. There are days when you raise your voice. There are days when you feel like you could have said something differently or done something differently. But ultimately, I try to come back to you know, my kids know that they are deeply, deeply loved and cared for. Um, and that I think is is just the most critical thing. But then the other thing that I do is, is I try to find really good parenting books. I talk to other parent friends about, you know, have you experienced this issue before? What did you do with your kids? How are you navigating these things? And everybody's got their, their own advice. And I, I'm definitely somebody who likes to like I said, I like to research the crap out of things. So I want to know what everybody is saying so that I can sort of make my own informed opinion of, of what bits of parenting advice I'm going to take and which ones I'm going to leave. Any book, any book you want to shout out? The one that I'm reading right now, well, there's two that there's two that I'm reading right now. One of them is called Ages and Stages. And it's really, I'm kind of just using it as a reference manual. It gives really helpful context for exactly where your kid is developmentally in a couple of different ways and um, just helps you understand how to navigate some of those tricky behaviors that are a result of completely normal development. development. So that's one. Um, and then the other one, and I might butcher this, it's how to listen so kids will talk and talk so kids will listen, or, or okay. maybe it's the other way around. Sure. Um, and that one is really actionable. It gives a lot of great um, literal tips. And you can actually work through the book week by week, chapter by chapter, and implement, you know, as, as long as you're really committed to it. And, and if you have a partner, you know, they can be really committed to it too. You can implement different things each week and sort of work towards better communication with your kids. Does that start at a certain age, that book? Um, yeah, it's really kind of, um, I would say early toddler phase. Um, as soon as your toddler starts being able to communicate a little bit, whether that's verbal or not, as soon as you start to see a little bit of those toddler behaviors, things that you have to, behaviors that you may want to correct or distract from or, or something like that. But I think that 
even when your kid is approaching early toddlerhood, it can be really helpful to read some of those resources and become comfortable with some of the language that they provide because those little scripts can be so useful in, in stressful and difficult moments. And then I think that repetition can only, you know, benefit you and your child over time. Any other secrets to being a busy working parent? We talked about changing priorities. We've talked about setting expectations and having standing appointments. Anything else that's really worked for you or any other advice you'd give? My mantra is everything is a phase. Everything is a phase. Um, nothing lasts forever. Even if it's, if you're in a, a comfortable and happy phase, something's going to change soon. I don't say that to scare anybody, but it's just always what happens. Um, if you're in a particularly challenging or difficult phase, everything is going to change soon. You know, every day is different with my kids. Every week is different with my kids. They are brand new people every few months, you know, with, with how much they're growing and changing and developing. So that's the other thing I try to remind myself. It's all a phase. Um, not that you want to necessarily always be looking to, it's going to get better later or it's going to get easier when, but I think sometimes recognizing that it's a phase can help you sit back and accept where you are in that phase of parenthood or your career and, um, can just be a little bit comforting. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's great advice for life. Not just, not even just for parenting, right? It, it, the the impermanence of of really everything that we experience, both good and bad, it's it's helpful to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, just like, is this actually objectively bad, or does it just you know feel bad at the time? Right? Like, I think that that's also a helpful thing to keep in mind. Yep, and perspective is everything. I I feel like looking back on those early days, I remember feeling like my kid would never sleep feeling like I would always be tired, feeling like, you know, breastfeeding would always hurt. And I have obviously made it through those phases and my kid is surviving and thriving today. So um, having that perspective is everything. Okay. So we're going to move into the final segment. It's going to be called Brittany's advice corner. So I'm going to ask you for some advice on a few different topics. Sound good? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. So first question is what advice would you give to somebody who's curious about a midwife or a doula? Ooh. That's a really good question. I would say educate yourself. Um, talk to your provider. Do some research. Um, you know there are some really reputable websites out there. ACNM is um, kind of the the American something of nurse midwifery. Their website is full of evidence based information about the v- different types of midwives, the different types of birthing locations, that kind of thing. And sort of similarly, if you're even considering a doula, highly, highly recommend just looking into it and hiring one, um, you know, if you feel like you can afford it because, and certainly if you have an employer subsidy, because, you know, I think doulas are are magical, <laughs> just yeah. magical, magical humans. Yeah. We, we actually had a doula through our employer. So shout out to them. Awesome. Awesome. And also, I think midwifery is my new favorite word. I, re- I really enjoy hearing you, <laughs> hearing you say that over and over. Uh, okay. What advice do you have for somebody who's about to be a parent but still has a career that they want to focus on? Um, I would say those things are compatible. Don't tell yourself that they're not. You know, it's it's okay to take a step back for a few minutes and or a few months or a few years if you feel like that's needed. It's also okay to ask more of your partner so that you can focus on your career. The the current CEO of Mercer, her name is Martine Ferland. She stayed home with her kids for five years and she's CEO. And I just think that is absolutely incredible and um, you know, absolutely a testament to the fact that you can 
have your career, you can also have parenthood. What is the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> career or parenting? And any life, anything. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> I, um, Which I, could apply yeah, to I, either, right? It, it definitely could. It definitely could. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Great. What advice would you give to your former self? I would, I would tell myself to, to ask for more help. I would, um, I feel like the, probably one of the toughest periods of my life was in those early postpartum months with my son. Um, I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety and I didn't know it. Um, it took me a long time to figure it out, even despite, you know, having so much familiarity, familiarity with the maternal health space. So I would definitely tell myself to ask for some, ask for some more help. Last question. I have a one month old daughter. It's actually one month. She's one month today. I can't believe it, but, uh, and here it is. So what advice do you have for me as a father of a one month old daughter? Oh, this is corny, but, um, cherish those newborn snuggles. Um, I, I feel like once your kids are bigger, I, my, and my kids are very snuggly babies still. Um, but there is nothing like those early days when they're so sleepy. Like, I know you're probably exhausted. You're probably hearing her cry, you know, at night. You're probably still trying to sort out, you know, your routine with your partner. And um, there's so much happening. But um, it's okay in those, especially in those early months, to let things go a little bit. You know, more than any other time in your life, it is okay to not make plans, to not go places, to not have people over if you don't want to, to let the laundry pile up as long as you know you're you're taking care of yourselves enough. Um it is okay to just sit there and stare at her sweet little face as she sleeps. <laughs> love I love it. I am trying to do that. <laughs> trying to do that for sure. Awesome. Well Brittany, this is a great conversation. Where can people go to connect with you or learn more about you? Um, folks can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, have further conversations with anybody. Um, you can connect with me. You can follow me. Um, both of those are good. Awesome. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, Brittany Bono, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool. Yeah. 